0: You are now listening to Femme Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Mmm, Femme. Hey listeners, want to start your own podcast? Let us tell you our favorite tool. Anchor is the one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. Here's why. Anchor lets you record and edit your show right from your phone or computer. So no matter your setup, you can start creating right now. Then, it distributes your show to the most popular listening platforms, like Apple and Spotify. Plus, it's the only place you can send video content to Spotify. Creators can even earn money on Anchor with ads
1: and subscriptions. Best of all, it's all free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
0: Hey, fam fam. We are wrapping up this season almost. We're getting close to the end. Um, But we're just we're really excited that we've been able to bring this many seasons to you guys. And this was a great start to 2022. Like we've had some really awesome guests. Um, And this guest Came to us through her PR team, essentially. Um, and she. Shout out to Accolade PR. Yes. And she is a director who I'm going to tell you exactly what she's done, who she is. But um, we became aware of her through her film, A Banquet, which is her first feature. And guys, it is awesome. It is mm. a super suspenseful psychological thriller that just really keeps you guessing the whole time of of what's really going on in the story. Um, So we really both enjoyed it. And at the end of the episode, you will hear where you can find it and watch it yourself. Because by the time this episode is released, it will be available all throughout the U.S. Um, So on that note. Today's guest is Ruth Paxton. She's a Scottish filmmaker who graduated in 2007 with an MA in Film and TV from Screen Academy Scotland, having gained her honors degree at Edinburgh College of Art. Her award-winning shorts have been exhibited and nominated in competitions at numerous international events and prominent film festivals. She is the winner of Best Woman Director at the 12th London Short Film Festival for her film Pulse and nominated one of Canongate Books' 40 Scottish Storytellers of the Future, artists anticipated to dominate the next 40 years of creative life in Scotland. In 2019, Screen Daily featured her as one of the six emerging Scotland-based directors you need to know. A Banquet, as I said, is Ruth's debut feature, a psychological horror produced by t Shot Productions and Riverstone Pictures. The film is represented by Hanway Films and was recently acquired by IFC Films for North America. It was selected for the Great Eight Showcase at Cannes March, pre- presented by BFI, BBC Films and the British Council, and will have its world premiere at Toronto International Film Festival festival 2021 in the discovery section so she has been a busy bee (laughs) she has accomplished a (laughs) lot before this film came out so we really got to talk to her about like what goes into the storytelling and the psychology of her films and her style and how she makes it work with the people she works with and it's it was a really insightful episode. I mean, I, I would love to work with her in the future. I think she just is, and she sounds like a really awesome director on set to be involved with.
1: Yeah. That was what was, I feel like the coolest part is having watched her film beforehand and then actually getting to hear her vision, her, her voice and, and who she is as a human. Mm -hmm. So if you guys get a chance to to watch the film then after it's it just like makes you appreciate her work even more because she's just so lovely and so deep and like really has a strong clear voice. Mm-hmm. So she she just she's super awesome. I completely completely agree with everything Tessa said. I feel <laughs> like The same. So I think you guys are really going to just get to. It's just so cool. It's just so cool to hear like a, a director break down like their process and the language that they speak and use on set. And I feel like for independent filmmakers, especially, you guys will get to like resonate. Probably more so with her words and and how she is as a director. So
0: especially if you are more of the creative mind than the technical mind, we talk about that a little bit in the interview too. Of yeah, you know that she approaches things from that creative storytelling, psychological, what's underneath view way more than the technical. We should be using these lenses and frame in this way. View which, <laughs> you know, like of course you need to know a little bit of both. Like if you're going to be successful, yeah. you need to understand both worlds, but personally, I resonate a lot more with the creative side of it. So I just love that. And I love that she's making great films from that perspective. So yeah. I agree.
1: Miss Ruth Paxton, y'all.
0: Yeah, start from the beginning, like where, you know, how you got started, what has brought you to this point, uh, just, you know, your story, your
2: journey. My journey. (laughs) It's, you know, it's funny because I think like you get asked a lot or I have been asked Mm -hmm. a lot recently, you know, when I decided I wanted to be a filmmaker and I don't remember making the decision, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that I... Uh, what, I've, what I've noticed um, or what I'm aware of now in retrospect is that my family watched a lot of movies that, you know, maybe more than the average family. And I think, you know, it was just a huge part of our growing up. My brother is also a filmmaker. And, and so, you know, it was our, our kind of lives were structured around what movies we were going to watch at night or what movies we were going to go and see at the cinema at the weekend. So I think it's safe to say we were both quite cine-literate kids, Um, and then you know I kind of always knew I wanted to do something creative and I I think you know I I, like I remember when I was wee I used to say that I wanted to be Vincent van Gogh and I don't really know what that meant (laughs) I think he just understood he was an artist or had been an Mm. artist Um, but yeah I mean I'm, I'm I'm a definitely a natural born storyteller I know that like I can say that without feeling pretentious about it just because I can see now that I was always interested in how things worked and how relationships worked and why people did the things they did. And um, I think, you know, maybe like as a younger adult, I, I'm a I'm a person with a mood disorder. I've got um, chronic anxiety and I go through bouts of depression. And I think for me, the best thing I could do to help myself with that at the time is to try and understand how your brain works really and mm-hmm. how you know, how how we live in this world and all of that I think is really cinema to me it's it's I think cinema is a very psychological medium regardless of the genre and so you know trying to work out how best to live I think for me um, a big part of that is in storytelling and unpacking stuff and you know looking Mm. at looking at the human human race I guess um, and yeah. so there's that and then I you know I mean I, I went to art school I, I kind of knew I wanted to go to art school rather than like do a film theory course so I went to Edinburgh Art College where my mum had been as well so I knew it quite well mm-hmm. and um, I did film there but it was a very different route into film and um, compared with say yeah a more a more practical or film focused um, undergraduate degree. and mm-hmm. um, I, I always say that art school taught me a way of thinking. like I definitely didn't come out employable. There's no question <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I wasn't a, I'm not a technical director, so I you know when we were making student films, I was never you know on the technical side if if, if I was collaborating with others, it was on the design or the costume. Um, or the aesthetics of it, that, mm, that site, mm-hmm. rather than the technical. Like, still woefully um, lacking when it comes to, you know, <laughs> understanding how cameras work. But, um, yeah, they, they definitely... No, but
1: that's awesome. People sometimes get scared in that, like, oh, I need to be perfect and know all the technical lingo. Like, girl, call it whatever it is. Like,
2: yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, it's, it's taken a while. I have I really, for a long time, I felt, I guess, you know, quite... Well, quite ashamed and quite um, concerned about my lack of technical aptitude. Mm-hmm. And I'm really lucky in that I've worked for a long time with the same cinematographer who speaks a different language to me about, mm-hmm. you know, about how we want to put um, our images on screen rather than talking about lenses or, you know, frame rates, and ratios and all that stuff. I can't even pull out to, to sort of make an example <laughs> <laughs> of Um Yeah, no, but, it's, you know, it's hard. It's, it's, I think you find as well, I mean, this could be a general, you know, it's it's not absolutely true, but you do find, I think, in, in growing up, like, uh, in the industry, that um, it, it seems to be that you get directors that are very, very technical. And I would say that the majority of those tend to be men. I mean, not necessarily at all across the board, but I just think, like, I, yeah, I think I was intimidated by that. And I remember if we were you know if any kind of like learning opportunities like workshops or, or um, skill set environments where you know you would get directors coming to speak to you which were by and large men they talked yeah. about technically about yeah. making films and it made me feel like oh, I don't I feel like I'm a bit of a charlatan here I don't really know what I'm doing and I have mm-hmm. endeavoured to learn um, my DP who is a brilliant friend tries hard to get me to understand it it doesn't stay <laughs> like, I can learn for the minute and I'm like right okay exposure Mm-hmm. and then it's just gone <laughs> you know I'll remember I'll remember what you were wearing when I first met you but I won't that stuff won't stick yeah so I'm kind of at peace with it now partly because we've made this feature and um it worked so you know whatever language I'm speaking seems to seems to work but um I think you know I'm I'm, I'm really conscious that i I don't know if I'd have the same relationship with another cinematographer. I, mean, mm. I, I would be quite intimidated by that. But, um, no, I'm that's sure.
1: really interesting. In. And, like, I feel though your job, though, as the director, still is to care mainly about the story, like, mm. number one. And, and how do you feel? Um, how do you go about then communicating that with your cinematographer? Because I'm I'm sure like myself who is stepping into the director's role, I'm this I'm the same way. I've done my research and will continue to, but I don't know how much of that's gonna stick, like to your point. So um, and I'm fortunate to know like some good cinematographer friends that I feel like I can be candid about that, but for our listeners, like is it, is it just finding that right relationship or what's been your best communication style to like achieving a, like the story that you want to tell, I guess?
2: Well, I think the relationship with David, who is who is the cinematographer that I'm talking um, yeah, about. Yeah,
1: let's talk about David.
2: David. Hey David. Well, David's, David's a, and I've, you know, I say this all the time, but he's a genius, he really is. And I think that, you know, we, it is very unique. We've been making work for over 10 years. So we have a, an incredibly swift shorthand when it comes to, you know, um, I guess, taste, and preference, and you know that our reference materials are always very. Like, he knows what I like. He knows. Mm-hmm. He knows what I'm not gonna. You know, he knows what's going to make me tick. I think, and he's very collaborative. He's a wonderful storyteller. So you know, while he's very smart and knows his tools, he's um, first and foremost a storyteller, and that's mm-hmm. you know that's what I get off on about his brain. Yeah. Um, so I think, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, we, it, it's a really hard example. I mean, you know, with Dave, because it's, I don't have any reference, you know, I don't have experience of doing right. it with people really. I mean, that's not entirely true. I, ha, you know, I have worked with other DPs, but not on narrative drama, not on, you know, like the stuff that I feel is really my voice, like maybe mm-hmm. on gigs for hire and, and TV and stuff like that, but that's a different world. Right. So I think really the best way to communicate Um, visually is to share visuals really so it's like you know Dave and I talk a lot about like we you know most of our um, prime focal references for films are paintings and there's a lot of painters contemporary and classical who we always fall back on and Mm -hmm. kind of are the basis for the look that I like in general Um, but I think what we tend to do and what we've done for years is talk about why we like the painting. So it's that thing of un- unpacking it and going, it's not just like the color palette or the tones. It's about the feeling it invokes. And how do we, how do we translate what that feeling is onto the screen? Um so we we, we speak a lot in feelings. We we talk a lot about um really existential stuff. Pretty much every conversation we have descends into talking about death. Um and I'm not, I'm not even joking, it's the truth. We laugh about it all the time. But we're quite, quite um yeah we're quite deep thinkers and not to say that what we're thinking is of any particular value it's just that we like to think about the big stuff mm-hmm. um and that's and that's it you know it's it's kind of sharing of yourself um and yeah. you know um and and your darker sides as well a lot of the time And I
0: think that's a great way to approach it, too, because that's what's going to translate to the audience. You know, most people watching your film aren't going to think, oh, that was obviously on this kind of lens and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, they're going to feel what you're showing. So if you guys are able to communicate that, like you're you're going to accomplish what you want, you know? And I think that's way better than just like, oh, this has got to be on this anamorphic lens, of course, because it's got to look like this. It's like, no, it's got to feel like this. I think that's, that's way more important. Yeah, and I think even, you know, when you were saying that after you got out of school, you felt like you didn't know all the technical stuff, like that's, you can learn that stuff. But like the feeling stuff, like that's got to be, a lot of people don't have that and a lot of people don't come out of school with that. Like, and that's really where
2: mm-hmm. it,
0: like, that's where it is. That's where the meat is, you know, with any film and with any story.
2: I agree completely. And I, you know, um, I think that I, I've, you know, I recognise that even as a kid I needed to be at the heart of drama And I think that's like And by that I mean like, you know if, if oh, she's tension. a drama
1: queen, y'all <laughs> well, Just No, not that
2: <laughs> More like, no, more like if there's tension in a room I want to know why Like who's had yeah. a fight, Ooh. why, what's going on What, is it your fault, you know And that, yeah. it's that kind of thing Like I, I'm constantly, mm-hmm. I love people watching so, Oh, same you know, girl My boyfriend and I will go out for, you know Say we go for a cocktail at the weekend And mm-hmm. I don't talk because I'm staring at everybody <laughs> It's like, but it's different as well because I'm in Miami with him at the moment, so it's a completely different culture. So I just love oh, there, that. That 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 is what you do. That is what yeah. Miami's
1: for. It's just like a museum of people and it's, cars. It's crazy.
2: No, I know. I know. I think that's it as well as I mean, I say that you know, I mentor a lot of students, and I think you know that that is a big part of being a director. I think you know, it's about noticing things and being really receptive to the world around you and trying, you know, understanding why things are the way they are and why that person's reacted that way and I think you know the closer you can get to understanding basic psychology and basic Mm -hmm. kind of you know human relations that's I mean I always say that I think it's better to read books about our brains and how our thoughts work than it is to read books about how to write scripts I think that's far more valuable.
0: Yeah, because that gets to the, again, it's like that gets to the meat of it, you know, like that's what the characters are about. And I liked what you said earlier about how, um, I forget exactly how you said it, but like that psychology is such an important part of every story, not just a psychological thriller, not just a story about someone with a disorder. Like it's, that's the root of everything of of why we act any way that we act, you know? (laughs) So
2: yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. No, completely. because there's so much feelings in filmmaking, so much, you know what I mean? Yeah. From their characters' feelings to the feelings of the people that are making the film work with you to, you know, the, the psychology that you create on set, there's, it's uh, so much of doing the job of directing is about managing people mm-hmm. and about managing feelings. And I think, you know, you, feelings on set get big, you know, they mm-hmm. all get big everything, because you're in this small microcosm for a certain amount of time and it's, yeah, everything's pumped up. So there's a a lot of energy and yeah, I find that's kind of almost the most taxing part of directing is just um, how you deal with people, how you speak to people. And you know, not one actor is the same as the other. So you might have to calibrate how you just are with somebody, it's it's kind of hard to quantify, but it's, um, you set the tone as a director, And that's about so much more than um, the things you say. It's about the energy you give off, I think. Yeah, absolutely.
0: (sighs)
1: Yes. I want to get into that. But just to wrap up, you're like, and I don't, I I apologize not to wrap up, but like go along to the point where you made this film because you did a beautiful job with your actors. I will just say their performances were amazing. And that's definitely kudos to you, girl. Um, And so from what we've read you then after school did a bunch of short films yep. and then that transcended, like led you to making this first feature film a banquet right am yep. I right girl we stalked you right okay <laughs> yes. I love that <laughs> very good very good um and if if you'd like we could, would you like to hear a review on your film
2: yeah if it's good <laughs> not if it's not good <laughs> no it's, it's good don't uh, no worry It's
1: good, it's amazing. Um, so our reaction was we watched a banquet and, um, we'll, we'll let the listeners know what it was about before, you know, uh, sure. they, they hear you, hear you, but our reaction was Ruth does an incredible job with showing the complexities of how society has forcefully pressured us to decide who we want to be and what we want to do for the rest of our lives at an adolescent age, as well as a mother's enduring support for her daughter's haunting journey to discovery. The actors' performances were incredibly real and kept us guessing, allowing for a beautiful suspense throughout. In the end, there's almost a symbolic Jesus in the Garden of Eden moment between the mother and the daughter, demonstrating compassion and love in the most horrifying way. So that was... that is I
2: love it we, yeah okay <laughs> oh, no, really, I mean it. it's you know <laughs> a big thing to, this is going to sound incredibly wanky but it's a big thing to feel seen yeah. and I think you know that's that's you know a lot of the work that I've made has has for you know has really divided audiences there's people that it just really really chimes for and other people who are like what the fuck was that about and I think you know in a way I, I would rather make Marmite work than than just all right stuff it's forgettable, but I definitely know from the reactions we've had to a banquet so far that like it's either it really speaks loudly to people or it doesn't at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know from what you're what you're saying back here that that kind of feedback, and particularly what you know your early comment on Betsy and you know having to make decisions about her future, that that's such a driving force for this film. It was something that, um, the, mm-hmm. that the original screenwriter was really passionate about, and and that was there was a new concept to me actually it wasn't one of the things that drew me to the script originally but it really became important when I understood where Justin was coming from and the fact that he was a teacher and he's around these young people that have to make these monumentous decisions in light in the face of um, you know being like hyper conscious about climate change and the fact that there isn't really that much you know apparently much of a future for us to look forward to so why are we investing so much of our, you know, in planning for it? So, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, it was, it's really nice to hear your words. Yeah.
0: And it's cool to hear that, um, I don't know if motivation is the right word, but like, what was behind his thought process in in writing the script? Because that totally translates to me hearing you say that. So yeah. that's really interesting. It's it's fun to hear that you don't always get to hear, you know, what the screenwriter was thinking. And I'm curious. You said um, at first that wasn't what drew you to the script. What what did draw you to the script? What let you? What led you to deciding to direct
2: this particular story? Well, I mean, a number of things, obviously. I mean, I always, I kind of joke because I say when I read the P scene, that's what made me want to do it. That <laughs> scene, I, I, wanna, I want to shoot the shit out of that scene. Like, I <laughs> I, I love it and I still love watching it. I, I just think that was one of the scenes that really from the beginning didn't change from Justin's um, conception and lots of the script did change, but that was just for me, kind of the holy grail of the film. And um, beyond that, I think, There was obviously loads of stuff to do, themes that that I could relate to, that I wanted to uh, explore. Um, I think there's something very specific about mother-daughter relationships Mm -hmm. that can be um, incredibly, you know, I want to say that can be toxic, but, you know, obviously can be very powerful. The power of maternal love is something that's always really fascinated me Um, and kind of, I suppose, the lengths mothers might go to. That, that, that boundary is kind of something that I'm, I've, I've written about before myself. So there was, there was those elements. And then I think just the characters themselves just kind of, I, I you know, I felt I knew Holly and Betsy and Isabel. And Isabel, the younger sister, particularly was somebody that I wanted to realise because I loved um, that, you know, on the surface of all the other horror and the grotesque stuff that's going on in the film, for me, the greatest heartbreak and the greatest tragedy and horror is what happens to Isabel in that film. And um, Mm -hmm. so I I wanted to chart that journey, but yeah, I think, you know, I normally write the work that I make. This is the, the first feature I've done, but it's also the first film I've directed that I haven't written. Mm -hmm. And when I read the script, I, I don't, all I can say is it felt like something I might've written. So You know i I was always open to directing other people's writing but you know um this is the first thing i've read where i was like oh this is this feels so familiar i don't know it's like Mm. we're in each other's brains and it was a really lovely process collaborating with justin
0: the amount of songs and sound effects on jambox is insane i can't believe these are almost all exclusive to their database plus you can use the stems to make your own so many resources. Ugh, it's wild and affordable. For the kind of
1: indie films we make, we're probably only ever going to pay between 9 dollars and 19 dollars a month. That's cheaper than a lot of
0: music we've licensed in the past. And the composers that created this music work for huge studios and creators. We're talking directors like Scorsese and global brands like DJI. That's huge. <laughs> yep, that's how you know they're good. And because they love creators, they gave us a discount code to share with our fam. 10% off with code FEM10.
1: Oh, how sweet. We love working with companies like Jambox that actually care and know what creators need. Connecting filmmakers with
0: ridiculously good music and sound effects. So, check out Jambox.io. And remember to use our code fem 10 That's F-E-M-M-E-10. Tessa
1: and I are really excited to have Celtics as a sponsor for the FemRegard podcast this
0: season because fam, we've been using them for years
1: and love their services.
0: Their all-in-one script writing and video production planning tools are used by media creators around the world, and there are lots of reasons to love it. Celtic Studio is cloud-based, meaning your project files are centralized, automatically backed up, accessible from anywhere on any device, and are completely secure. From scripts to reports, all documents follow industry standards, so you can trust your work is production-ready. All tools in the Celtic Studio are interconnected to create a faster and easier-to-manage pre-production workflow. And Celtics is built for collaboration, with real-time collaborative script editing, secure sharing links, revision tracking, and comments features.
1: Head to Celtics.com. That's C-E-L-T-X dot com to create your free two-project Celtics account. When you sign up, you'll get unlimited access to Celtics' full suite of tools for your first seven days. Celtics,
0: the all-in-one solution for script writing and video production planning. Yeah, and I think, too, the, the film really feels like it's told through the female gaze, which is something that's, like, really important for us in our work. Um, so that speaks a lot to him too, as a male writer that was able to create this story that, you know, because I'm sure if it was from a male director too, maybe it would feel a little different or whatever, you know, I'm sure a female putting her spin on it helps, but, you know, the, the story is there from, from the screenplay. So it's really cool that he was able to write in that way. I think that's really impressive. No, he was, um, he,
2: he was he had all of that was there and he you know a big preoccupation for him was about how historically and you know still currently you know that there's um I suppose the thinking around men controlling women's bodies so you know in the film it's it's male doctors it's Mm -hmm. you know the male ice skating coach it's it's about how you know Mm -hmm. men have had control over women's bodies for a long time and you know for him a lot of his source inspiration was to do with what I suppose what was termed the generation of kind of fasting girls so at the um, advent of when anorexia nervosa was kind of given a name really Mm -hmm. in the Victorian times um, officially because I'm sure there was incidents of it prior to that but the idea was that you know women who were controlling their food and controlling their bodies were getting a voice um, Mm -hmm. at times when they would have otherwise and so uh, you know the, the prophetesses for example that were part of the source of inspiration for Justin um, were examples of women who otherwise wouldn't have been heard by men but were when they were speaking with the voice of God so that too was something that was all fresh to me you know I mean I I know it in in the background I know that sort of exists but to to sort of pinpoint that Mm -hmm. and to think about that and to think about Betsy as someone who, who you know who suddenly becomes very important and special because she's you know she's been chosen or she's speaking for something bigger than herself. That, that was really interesting.
0: Yeah. And I think you did a really good job too of always keeping us guessing as the audience, you know, because we are, we're put in this world where we are able to believe that she could be completely telling the truth and she could be, you know, this, this wisdom from heaven or whatever, you know, but, but, we also realize that, oh, but the grandma could be correct. She could be totally faking Mm -hmm. it or she could have this disorder that she, you know, is just hallucinating or what, like there's, we are in a world in this film where any of those could be completely the truth, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that that you've created a really great world with that, that we are left guessing and it all seems just as, as reasonable as the other thing, you know?
2: Well, I'm I'm glad that that's something that that was um, I want to I don't say enjoyable, but like that that kept you interested as an audience member rather than turned you off because that was for me. I was always working with Betsy and Jessica who plays Betsy, and I I would look at her performance from three perspectives. Like she's either she is either totally telling the truth, or she believes she's telling the truth, or she's mm. fucking with them. Mm-hmm. And that each of those was is a really it was a really interesting lens to look at, you know, Jessica's performance through is like, does it fit one or more of those, in which case that's great. Let's move forward kind of thing. Um, but there was also then how Holly saw her and the moments where Holly was having, you know, Holly, I think, goes from go, goes on a journey through all of those possibilities till the end where she believes her.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. She, you could really see that she's stuck in this battle of, I want to believe and hear my daughter and give her that like space, but also like I'm my mother and I have to make sure I'm doing the mom thing right. And I like loved that dilemma of like, I need a you know, if, if I need to check her out to like a psychiatric care, like isn't that the best thing or is the best thing like letting like just me being there for her. Yep. I really loved that predicament of like the complexity of that situation that she was put in.
2: Well, um, that's, that's it. And obviously Holly brings with, with it. And um, she brings to it her own history and her own, you know, complicated relationship with her. That mother. was
1: interesting. That was really interesting to see like divulge and to, I'm going to be honest the the opening scene threw me off. I'm still like, kind of wrecked trying to piece together Mm -hmm. what that really meant to be like yeah completely fair I'm still like trying to like piece that part together and what because it's it is a history of her and I think it also kind of set maybe the stage purposely for us to not trust the mom either and that's like yeah it was it was
2: definitely a mind bender. (laughs) we wanted to set the tone Uh, that was the film didn't always begin with the tragedy that's there, that the 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 fact that the father wasn't present was something that had happened in in the, in the history of the film. It was never on mm. screen. And I wanted to bring it to the fore because I wanted an audience to just know this is not going to be a fun movie. This is going to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, this you know, I think, you know, like a Sorry. comparison would be like Melancholy, um, not Melancholy, I always mix them up, Midsommar. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Aster's film where you see... I, suppose yep. I shouldn't say because I shouldn't ruin it, but, you know, there's an event at the beginning of the film where you go, OK, mm-hmm. and I wanted <laughs> that same thing, you know? I wanted you to feel like, right, if this is where it starts, where the fuck is it going kind of thing? So that was... And I wanted it to be gross and extreme. And, um, yeah, everything... I I like a lot of blood. I like a lot of vomit in my films. That sort of seems <laughs> to me. <my> film. <laughs> if there's no, no vomiting, it's not you. a Paxton film. <laughs>
0: No, I think that's really smart too, because like you said, it, it, um, I don't want to say warns the audience, but it allows the audience to be like, okay, this is, this is the tone. This is what we have to be ready for. And because, you know, not everybody's into that kind of thing. So it is, it is kind of a warning, but it is, it also allows you to just jump right into that too, from the very start, you know, you're not opening with some like, dry comedy thing that people are like okay so what's the tone for this like you're just going straight into it so it's a good way to really because that's the thing is you have to grab the audience from the very beginning of your
2: film you know so that's a great way to do that no, I'm, I'm really, I really, It's. you know, when you watch your own film, there's moments that you really enjoy rewatching, and then other moments that you're like, oh, I maybe didn't quite get what I wanted there or that day was so compromised that we didn't get enough coverage or, you know, but that, the opening, I always, I always enjoy watching it and just, you know, kind of get, if I am in an audience watching it with people, feeling it sort of land, mm, Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, it lands, girl, <laughs> it lands. <laughs> I love it well is there um more works that you're interested in writing or working with other writers to direct on in the same vein since like you just mentioned it's a Paxton film we have some gore we have some throwing up some extra little (laughs) deep-rooted psychological battles I love it
2: I think all my yeah I mean I think like my work to date is all full of full of that um so it's unlikely to change I'm definitely interested in the psych psych and you know kind of the darker Uh psych but I wouldn't I mean I wouldn't say I'm a horror director I think you know that's something that's emerging with with the kind of response we're getting to the film is that you you can see that you're being um kind of classed as a a horror a female horror director and I you know right I, I don't I totally totally get that you know there's lots of horror tropes in the film and I've definitely leaned into that on purpose but I wouldn't say that, you know, I see a career for myself directing purely horror, but I definitely see drama with a darker edge, you know? And so like, you know, I, I am I'm attached to, I am attached to direct another kind of horror that is definitely, that's what it's, it's a possession film and it's a horror. Mm. But the Ooh. other films that I'm kind of involved in are, yeah, I mean, at the moment, what I'm writing or trying to write is um, it's just a big love story, really, with lots of sex in it and there's vomit in there too, so it's kind of a very human love epic thing, that's kind of, that's kind of on the cards next, and then, yeah, I mean, um, I've got a film that I'm going to direct with my, who's, which is being written by a very good friend of mine called Deborah, Joan Hayward, and she is um, a filmmaker too, She she she's a, a director, and so she's adapting this novel, and I'll direct that, and that's, that's not, you know, that's not um overtly like supernatural or horrific, but it's definitely dark. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's, yeah, I imagine it'll always be dark. But I like <laughs> to be funny as well. So you know, I wouldn't want to sort of. I pick, you know,
1: love that. I I want to see a Paxton dark comedy. Like I
2: <laughs> yeah, feel like you to nail it. Black comedy for sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh yeah, I, I, I see that. That is so exciting. I love that you're like already like in development with all these other great works. Yeah, yeah that's really exciting to hear. Cause um, it's, man, it's uh, how do you feel like, do you believe like where you're at right now in your career? Like you're here or does it
2: feel surreal still? It's a mixture of things. This, the whole process that's happened since we finished a banquet and kind of, with it, with it being sold to IFC, and then you know the premieres we've had, and and I guess the press that I'm doing as a result of it—that's so new. I mean, I, I'm just totally <laughs> traversing brand new territory. I've ne- you know, no short film I've made has gone through a process like this. So this is oh, very, awesome. very new. But I would say that, like, I, I feel it's been a long time coming. I mean, I, I, I have like, um, you know, I'm I, a mixture of feeling like it was time for me to get my to make my first feature. I was ready. But I also think you're very privileged and lucky to make films. So I don't think anybody is, you know, like due a feature, I think. And I think that it's really dangerous if you start to think that way. But certainly I'd paid my dues. I had, you know, I have a body of short work. If you think about the way the industry works in the UK, it you know it it was sort of time for me to get the to get the opportunity to make that feature length version. But the irony is that a banquet wasn't supposed to be that. That was not going to be my first film. Mm. So it, mm. it kind of came in there and it all moved and happened really really quickly. And I I think you know I haven't really had a day where I don't go to set doubting myself. And that's got a lot to do with my own makeup and the you know the kind of thought patterns I have. Mm. But there were this is the first set I've been on where like midway through it I thought I think I know what I'm doing like I think I'm good at this yeah and you know that felt so that part of it makes me feel like yeah I should this is where I'm meant to be and I definitely feel ready to tell bigger stories on a bigger scale because a band could you know while it was a feature and it was funded it was very low budget so you know it would be nice to have more choice more time Mm -hmm um yeah more time to play these kind of things so yeah yeah. so there's there's all that um but I would say overall I'm just very grateful to have had the opportunity it's you know there's a lot of people that would love to be doing what we're doing and don't get that chance so you know I'm I'm always aware of that yeah and I think that you know, you taking the time
0: to create this body of work before going into this and now having your first feature and having it be picked up and, you know, like having some success with it, like really is just like, it solidifies your foundation. Like you can go anywhere from here, you know? So yeah. Yeah. I know I'm excited to see these things in the work. I'm
2: excited girl this is the thing though this is the major difference about making a short film and making a feature if you're lucky if you're lucky is that you know people Not everybody watches short films. They don't get the same, you know, exhibition and the same attention as a feature. So there's something very exciting about that. And there's also something really exposing and terrifying that, you know, so the film's going to be released in the US on the 18th of February. And there's a bit of me that's like really not wanting it to happen because I'm just so nervous about what the response will be, you know, so it's, it's a mixed thing. But then at the same time, you watch... You know, you'll watch movies by seasoned filmmakers, mm-hmm. and you yourself will go, Oh, that was all right. I liked it, whatever. And you're like, that's just the nature of it. You, you can't make a perfect film. It's right. There, there are going to be people that like it and people that don't. And and that's some that's part of growing as a filmmaker, is accepting that, I think.
0: Yeah. I think for me too, when I watch like independent films now, knowing what all goes into it. I'm like, you know, even if I didn't love it, as long as there wasn't something that was like glaringly bad about it, <laughs> I'm still
2: impressed that they made it and it looks good, you know. Absolutely. Although I agree with that. I really do, and I think particularly, you know, with early features, it's, you know, of course they of course you're going to make mistakes. You're always learning. There is if there was a formula to making perfect movies, then, you know, we'd have found it by now. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, they they are there to be artistic endeavours and I think the, the the you know the fact that film is a business is both is there's a double-edged sword to that you know yeah. it's it's an art form that relies on the patronage of of other people of money you know and there's times when it's really hard that I wish you know I think why am I not just a fucking painter you know but um <laughs> no it's it's also when it's good it's good that's yeah. the that's it's it's the highest that's, uh, high.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I feel like that sums up Filmmaking perfectly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. I love that. It, we just, yeah, it's something you definitely have to always keep in the back of your mind is like, is, you know, the commerciality of your film and like where it's going to be showcased and yep. how, like, did that impact your directing as well for this film in particular and how you, like, how far you were going to take a scene or, you know.
2: No, I would never have limits on that. If you know, I good mean good oh, for oh, you. No, 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 yes. no, 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 no. <laughs> Like I, I don't I couldn't I couldn't compromise that way. But I think that, you know, I was fortunate in this in this particular setup because because the financing was so low, it wasn't reliant on, you know, um making money. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like I was, you know, I was the film wasn't didn't have to do amazingly well for me you know for me to be financed, right you know which is
1: kind of the perk of independent films I feel like and that's what I'm we we like get we're like you know in financial planning and how do we get investments and returns and and all that and then I'm like but our budget's so small like if someone just wants to believe and invest in us that is that is who we want to target because it's just so small. It's so small of a budget. Like what can you do? But anyways, I digress.
2: No, <laughs> you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. And I think that, you know, I, I got a small insight into how things might work on a bigger scale with bigger budgets and kind of sure that might be taken away from you and the fact that it might be cast dependent. And I was really, really fortunate in that I I wasn't like, I know that some films would be um, financed on the basis of cast. So, you know, you would have to cast someone that was meaningful, that had value. My cast all, you know, they all dead, of course. But it was, I could pick who I wanted. Mm -hmm. That was what was a dream. You know, I I was allowed, I didn't have any pressure on me. And so, you know, I was able to pick, you know, wonderful talent without any kind of pressure there. And I think that was that's something I would struggle with I think down the line would be if you know there was somebody I don't know if I wasn't allowed to cast the person I thought was right for the role that that seems really counterintuitive to me but I also understand it is a business and there's so much of the post side of it and the distribution and the exhibition side of it that is like I don't have a clue you know that I'm just learning Mm -hmm. you know it's like I really don't know And and I accept that you know. Yeah, which actually is a kind of a nice position to be in that you yeah. that you
0: don't know that you don't have to worry about you know. Yeah,
2: I, I remain clueless, and I'm quite ha- quite quite comfortably ignorant actually. Yeah, but like the technical stuff, like yeah, I don't want to know. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. I wanted to quickly. I was going to glance here because I have my notes about the producer that you worked with. Yeah. Yeah, you worked with a couple
2: producers, I see. So there was a, there was a few producers, but my my main point of contact and my main support was Leonora Darby, and that's who brought the script to me. So oh, she, wow. um, and this is her first feature as well, and she <gasps> that's is so cool. Yeah, I've never. I mean, she, I have. Again, I hate to use cliche language, but I have never felt so seen by someone. She just she she knows she can read me and she really helped me believe I could make this film from the outset. And we, you know, I mean, we just had a general meeting to discuss each other's slates, like what I was actually writing and what she was working on and the material they had at tea shop. Mm-hmm. And when she talked about a banquet, that was, I was immediately like, Hmm, really, really curious. And so she sent me the script and I sent her my latest short film and we, um, I read, she watched the same afternoon. And by the end of the day, we were like, Let's get married. Let's do this. I love it. I love it. I love you. You know, and yeah, it was an amazing relationship um, from start to finish. just completely supported. It was dreamy oh I love that so much it's so good when you can find those people like you and your
0: yes. dp you and your producer like that is yes. it, it's like a marriage like you said it's like you fall in love oh. with this person
2: oh yeah you know like, I have a, a habit of falling in love with everybody on set so it's like yeah. you know yeah <laughs> like, so including amazing. Lindsay Duncan I think everybody fell in love with Lindsay Duncan that plays June we were we were all kind of of yeah. oh she's
0: we did <laughs> so yeah
2: yeah Well, to wrap up, um,
0: I would love a couple things. First of all, if you could tell our listeners where they can find a banquet. Um, By the time that they listen to this, it will be a a little bit after the release date, but where they can watch it. And then also where they can find you, any social media websites, any of that kind of stuff. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.